Ron Elving is in the United States. Hello, Ron. Good to be with you, Catherine. Goodness, don't tell me. There's been an 11th hour reprieve from a potential government shutdown. How so? How so? Well, my goodness, we've got 45 days now until the next cliff. But uh, the most immediate fallout from this, now that everyone is still working in the federal government, we need to look around and see what the consequences are for Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, who at the last moment said, all right, I can't get my Republicans to vote for any of these packages we've put together. I can't get enough votes to pass it just on Republican votes alone. So I'm going to cross the aisle and ask the Democrats to help me. Now, what an idea. That certainly could have been done sooner. But obviously, McCarthy felt he had to try to accommodate his own troops until the very point of crisis. And then he finally accepted help from the Democrats. And in the end, there were more Democrats voting for the most recent package than there were Republicans. And the price there really was that the Republican package did not include new aid for Ukraine. Now, we are anticipating, and the Senate having voted for this as well in the wee hours into Sunday, uh, they are expecting that there will be another opportunity to approve new aid for Ukraine. And if that were to happen, then basically what we have is a status quo budget package that will carry on for another 45 days at the funding levels from last year. So no deep funding cuts, no fundamental changes to the federal government's way of doing business. And that's making some of McCarthy's critics terribly unhappy, and they're going to try to depose him. I wanted to ask what the consequence of him eventually making that decision to use Democratic votes means for him. There is a procedure by which the uh, party that is displeased with the Speaker can move to have him removed. And if they have enough votes, either with their own party or with both, uh, they can achieve that. And it's easier to do it now because of some rules changes that McCarthy agreed to earlier this year when he was desperate for votes to be elected Speaker in the first place. So he empowered some of his critics back in January, and now they are using those weapons against him. They were terribly disappointed over the weekend with him and disappointed back earlier this summer in June when he lifted the debt ceiling and didn't really get major concessions from President Biden to do that. And so this is their this is their big move. They're going to try to come at his head and we'll see or probably will be a thicket of procedural votes over the next several days. But the motion could come within within the hour as we speak, or later on tonight, or more likely tomorrow. How much does this hinge on that sort of tight 10 group, uh, that because of the tightness of, um, uh, of of the balance of power has significant power, but how much power do they have within their own party? What would it take to unseat him? Well, what it would take to unseat him, and the only time this motion has really been successful was a long time ago, more than a century ago, when the two parties when a faction of one party in the majority worked with a large number of people in the minority party and together they formed a majority. Now, we don't know if that could happen this week. It's possible that a rump group of a dozen or more in the Republican Party could make common cause with all of the Democrats. And of course, this is a very close body. As you said, it's only five seat difference between the two out of 430 some seats. So, if the two parties can have one group of rebels working together with a very large group in the other party, 
that would be enough to depose Kevin McCarthy if the Democrats want him gone. But, you know, the question at this point is, are the Democrats better off with the speaker they know than with a speaker they don't? And it isn't clear who that other speaker would be. There's no clear candidate. I guess my point would be whether the, whether the uh, Republican Party itself could depose him. Uh, and that's why I'm asking about the, um, uh, the, the influence of the 10. Would it require Democrat votes again to depose him? Or could the party turn on him and, and remove him itself? That seems highly unlikely because right. it seems that he has the support of more Republicans than not. Understood. And particularly a hardcore of people who feel that if he were deposed, they themselves would be in trouble in the next election next year. Which leaves you then wondering why the Democrats would do it, wouldn't it? Because it would strengthen the hand of that 10 who, um, who are uh, throwing down the gauntlet so often. Okay, uh, what happens in 45 days' time is the other obvious question. <laughs> In the meantime, the, the onus is on both the House and the Senate to pass separate appropriations bills, as is the normal procedure, and not go to the brink again with none of them passed at the deadline. So if they can get that done, there are a dozen of them that have a very, very small start on getting that done. But on the other hand, if the will is there, Congress can do virtually anything and change its procedures to accommodate itself. So we shall see. There are 45 days. And 45 nights. And if they put a shoulder to the wheel, they could conceivably get it all done. But they have to have the will and the willingness to work together. Former President Donald Trump's trial on charges of bank and insurance fraud is beginning. Can you remind us of what is alleged here, please? What's alleged is that he inflated the values of his properties for purposes of insuring his properties and borrowing money on his properties and then shrank the values that he estimated for the tax man. And so when it came time to paying taxes, he paid less than he actually owed, and that can get him a fine. And at the same time, there were other victims in that he was deceiving insurance companies and banks as to the value of the companies or the properties that he was putting up as collateral on his loans. And the evidence of this is so overwhelming that the trial judge who is presiding here, has already made a determination that the evidence present is sufficient and we're moving on now to talking about how many parties were guilty and whether or not they're also guilty of conspiracy. Uh, what's the interest that the former president is showing in this trial? Is he appearing? He has appeared. He has been there today. This is highly unusual in some respects because, generally speaking, if he doesn't absolutely have to be there, he isn't. But in this case, he had told another judge that wanted him in court this week that he could not attend because he would be at this trial in New York today. So he had to show up at one or the other, and he chose to be at the civil trial in New York rather than one of the criminal trials elsewhere. This also involves other members of the family and indeed the family businesses. And with what potential consequences? Just the fine? It could be, but a substantial fine. We are talking about hundreds of millions of dollars, potentially $250 million in fines. And in addition to that, he would lose and has, has already been, been uh, basically put on the table. He would lose his certificates to practice business, to run a business in the state of New York. That would include losing control of Trump Tower 
and a number of other properties that are signature properties, including golf courses, et cetera, et cetera, that are closely associated with his company and with his own personal name. He would have to completely move his business to another state, uh, which he has already underway, uh, begun to do in anticipation of an adverse result here. Now, just finally, where are things at with uh, the preliminary impeachment hearing? Just remind us what this is about, please. It happened last week. Yes, the uh, first hearing was held last week into these impeachment impeachment charges, which have to do with corruption. Did Biden receive money while he was vice president some years ago uh, in exchange for uh, favors that he could have done for a Ukrainian company? And that Ukrainian company did employ his son. Hunter, who is involved in almost everything that has to do with allegations against his father. And so uh, there has been an allegation made that he did, but there has been no proof put forward that he did. And the only person who's really alleging that he did is someone who uh, lost his own job because Joe Biden and a lot of other people in the business of uh, international diplomacy were pushing to have him fired in Ukraine And here again, this is almost a decade ago that we're talking about. So it's old business and there's no actual proof that Joe Biden ever made a dime off the deal. Uh, Impeachments used to be rare. They seem to be proposed for just about every president now. What is the process from here? The process would be that they would uh, they would have more hearings. They would come up with firmer charges. Theoretically, they would come up with some more evidence and then they would proceed to a formal impeachment committee meeting that would vote chart of what what are called articles of impeachment. And uh, we saw that with Trump in in 2018, 19, and into 2020. And we saw it with Bill Clinton back in the 1990s. Uh, And these articles of impeachment are then considered to be charges to be tried before the court of the Senate. And the Senate acts as a trial court, like a jury of 100. And they vote on acquitting or finding not guilty. No president has ever been found guilty. Richard Nixon resigned uh, way back in 1974 before he could be charged and found guilty. Thank you as always. Ron Alving is Senior Editor and Correspondent, NPR News Desk, Washington.